I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope your week is treating you well. Today, I am answering a question that was sent in on Instagram, and it was, can you share tips on how a four can have more discipline? Now, I knew I wanted to talk about this much more than just that 60-second video. I have thoughts, so here we are. Let's first talk a little bit about discipline itself, right? I am personally not the biggest fan of the word. Here's the thing. I associate discipline with intense structure with a sense of good versus bad, right? If I am disciplined, I'm good. If I'm not disciplined, I'm bad. With the disciplinary actions of authoritative par- authoritarian parents, right? This sense that you should be in complete control of yourself at all times and control is good and lack of control is bad. I resist this for a lot of reasons. One, because I don't think it's human. I don't think humans work like that. We are not robots. We don't just show up the same every day. But also because I think it invites a lack of self-compassion. And personally, I value curiosity over discipline because often what we've found is you see people who are quote unquote not disciplined But there are factors that are coming into play that are affecting the way that they're showing up that are going unaddressed, which impact their ability to do the things they intend to do. So I would much rather look at why am I not doing the things that I want to do, get curious, find solutions to those kind of, I don't want to say problems, but like the things that are preventing you from doing what you want, and then it'll be much easier, right? For example, I, let's say I want to get up in the morning and run every day at 6 a.m. And I don't do that. Let's look at why, instead of discipline says, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to show up, I'm going to run every single day. And if I don't, then I'm a failure. And oftentimes when you, you miss the one run, you go, oh, I, I ruined it. It's over. I give up. I'm never going to be disciplined enough to do the things that I say I'm going to do. And then you just feel bad about yourself and then you quit. Versus curiosity, which says, okay, I really want to run every day. Why don't I currently run every day? Like what is preventing me from doing that as it, as it stands? I don't know where to start. I feel overwhelmed by, you know, the process. Sometimes I'll start, but then it'll start to hurt. And so I quit and I don't know what, what's an injury, what's soreness. I... I'm not a morning person. So the idea of getting up at 6 a.m., it feels like, okay, that's a lot of extra work. I don't know if I can get up at 6 a.m. And if I do get up at 6 a.m., is it going to be, am I going to be awake enough to start running? So when we start running down the rabbit hole of like, what's preventing me from doing this? We have some answers as as to what things we can address, right? Maybe I run at a time of day that's more suited to my personality. Maybe I find some support online for a running program that can help me to start this habit well and start it in a sustainable way. Maybe I find a route that is supportive, right? I maybe running in my neighborhood doesn't work. So I maybe go run in someone else's neighborhood or I found a route that I can use. 
that is a very different experience than if I do it, I'm good. If I don't do it, I'm bad. It goes, what are the things that are standing in my way of my ability to do this? And how can I love myself through that? Now, here's the other thing. <laughs> with that in mind, with this, this sense, right, that discipline makes good or bad, as a result, you you try to discipline yourself. If you do well, good for you. You're a good person. If you don't do well, shame on you. You're bad. If we're looking at it in this way, it's fascinating because fours are the type we most associate with shame. And unrealistic expectations or punitive discipline without clear guidance, we know tend to lead individuals to internalize failure, amplifying their feelings of shame. So when I hear this, I think about how often type fours feel disconnected from their family of origin. Perhaps they experienced authoritarian parenting styles where discipline and control were valued and highly prioritized. And then they grew up to only perpetuate that by setting unrealistic expectations for themselves that they can never quite live up to, perpetuating the messaging that they are not enough, that they are bad. So their lack of discipline then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to validate the message they received from their parents, that there is something wrong with them, that they are the problem. Now, here's the thing. I can hear you saying, but Sarah Jane, I want to be able to stick to things that I say I'm going to do. Isn't discipline good in that way? And I respect that. So I also want to do the things that I say I'm going to do. But let's look at it this way instead. Instead of self-control, can you practice self-love? Can you offer yourself the nourishment that you deserve through showing up for yourself in the ways that you intend to show up? And offering yourself curiosity that can help to eliminate the obstacles that stand in the way of you doing what you want to do. So here are a few things that can help you do that, specifically for fours, but these are useful for everyone. Number one, set reasonable objectives. So fours are famously known for setting unrealistic expectations for themselves and either preferring to be that or to be nothing. The middle ground there, the average, is something that most fours are trying to avoid, and that can make long-term sustained habits kind of unappealing because they feel mundane, they feel average, they feel boring. So they set these really high objectives for themselves that are unmanageable, that are unreachable, and expect themselves to do it in the timing that they've determined for themselves that may be unreasonable. And they don't do that because it's unreasonable, it's unreal. And then they shame themselves for it. Instead of setting meetable goals that are achievable and accomplishable and receiving that, you know, release of dopamine that you receive when you check something off of a list, you accomplish something, that keeps motivation going. It's highly demotivating to not be able to reach a goal, right? If you set a goal that is so high as unreachable, it is incredibly demotivating. It is incredibly self-fulfilling right? It's fulfilling that prophecy that you are not good, that you cannot do the things you say you're going to do, that there's something wrong with you. It's enticing in that way, right? But instead, setting lower goals that are much more achievable is going to support you much, much more. I'm going to use my husband as an example. 
And when he used to, he's a big runner. He loves to run. He started running again within our relationship. Like he hadn't run for years and he started running again and he went really hard, really fast. And obviously he got shin splints and it was really painful and it made running really hard. And that made it harder for him to build this habit. But then eventually he started slower. He was like, he found a program that supported him and it slowed him down significantly and made him walk and then run and then walk and then run. And then eventually he was running a full, you know, 5k. And then eventually he was running a full half marathon. But all of that, because he was being, it was, you would think the work for him would be challenging him to do more than he thinks he can do. But it wasn't like that. More so it was do less than you think you can do, but more than you're currently doing. And that's the sweet spot for anyone who is trying to reach a goal. Do less than you think you can do, but more than you're already doing. And then continuously raise that metric. That's going to keep you motivated and engaged and not quitting because you feel like you can never do the thing you you set out to do. If he set out to run a half marathon day one, he would be like, I'm not a marathon runner. I can't run a half marathon. I can't do this. Right. But if you said, if you set out to walk a bit, run a bit, walk a bit, run a bit, it feels like you're being told to slow down more than you can slow down. That's functional. That's doable. Right. Okay. I need to move on faster. Number two, romanticize the mundane. Like we talked about that sweet spot between significance and failure, that needs to be something that you entice yourself with, that you romanticize, because it's often the thing that you're avoiding that's preventing you from getting where you want to go, because you have to go through those like more mundane, boring, plebeian tasks to do anything significant. So if you're resisting that, running from that, that's going to make it harder for you to be where you want to be, to show up every day the same. But if you romanticize that, treat it as ritual, make it beautiful, add in things that make it feel special, that's going to support you. Number three, number three, plan ahead. So fours are in the reactive center. That's four, six, and eight. And all of you are much better at Responding to things that are coming your way instead of setting the tone about what you want things to look like for yourself. But if you want to be intentional, if you want to nourish yourself through the act of consistently showing up toward the goals you have for yourself, in order to do that, you need to plan ahead. You need to think in advance, take care of future you today. And ways you can do that, lay out your workout clothes. We all know that one. You can, you know, plan your to-do list the day before, plan your to-do list the week before, if that works better for you or both, if you're me. Be constantly aware of what will future me need and how can I take care of them today. Number four, think of this as building a loving relationship to yourself. You build trust with yourself by doing what you say you're going to do. This is not pass or fail, good or bad. This is... I love myself. It's important to me that I trust myself. And when I show up and do the things I say I'm going to do, the easier it is for me to build that trust. Number five, identify with the new behavior. I think if there's nothing else you take away from this, this is key for fours with 
doing things you want to do. Start to identify with that new behavior. I am a runner. I am a writer. I am the kind of person who washes their dishes every night before bed. This is who I am. This, I think, works particularly well for fours because identity is such a key factor to your ecosystem. So if you're identifying with a new behavior and you value that behavior, start to see that behavior as like significant and special and good, you are more inclined to follow through with it because that's just who you are and you want to show people who you are and behavior follows that. So I think that for me, if I were like pick one of these things as a four, that's the one I would give you. And then if I were picking number two, it would be make sure that those things are reasonable in action. You know, don't over expect of yourself. All right. Number six, release the all or nothing mentality. If you miss a day, just get back the next day. Don't see it as pass or fail. And that, and I think discipline, the word of that, it kind of implies that you're doing something every single day, the same exact way, which isn't really suitable to the four mentality in my experience. You're much more inclined, I think, to sustain something long term if you allow yourself fluidity within that. Yes, maybe you can be incredibly disciplined and structured for a season and go all in. And then my concern with that mentality is that when you have an off day, you kind of get off and then you never get back on and you feel like your sense of self is lost, your trust with yourself is lost, your belief in your ability to be good is kind of put at risk and shame can seep in versus no, I needed this today. I needed a break today. I trust my body. It's tired. And I'm going to show up the next day because I show up for myself. That's who I am. I'm the kind of person who gets back to it if they've missed a day. Which brings me to know your why. Know why you're doing the thing. Because when you're in a situation where you've missed a day, and you have to get back into it, it's really helpful to know why you're doing it in the first place because it it's going to drive you. It's going to be the motivating factor. It's going to be the reconnection to showing back up. And in my opinion, and maybe this is because I'm a self-referencing type, but so are you. So this could work for both of us. In my opinion, that why needs to be internally driven not externally motivated. Meaning I am not gonna show up and run every day because I want to be skinny because I want other people to think I'm cute. I'm going to show up and run every day because I don't want to suffer because my mental health is better for it. That is a stronger motivator than I hope other people like me, (laughs) right? That is just another recipe for shame. I show up or I don't show up. Other people like me or they don't like me. It's like putting the power into the hands of everyone else versus I do this because I'm happier when I do it. I do this because I'm more grounded emotionally when I do it. I do this because I like doing it, (laughs) you know, because it makes me happy. Every time I finish, I feel joy. This is something that is important to me. And focusing on your why, getting a really clear specific why 
can be incredibly motivating for showing up again after you've missed a day. And finally, again, kind of going back to where we started here, be curious. In my first book, The Honest Enneagram, I I start off one of the sections by talking about the value of curiosity over discipline and how when we're curious, we can help ourselves to solve problems versus when we're disciplined, we, you know, create a a pass-fail system for ourselves. So if you're finding it hard to sustain something, get curious. What are the obstacles and how can you lovingly eliminate those and sustainably eliminate those over time, right? Are you trying to build two habits at once? Are you trying to be a morning person and a runner? I'm using running a lot right now as an example. Um, So just bear with me on that one. But I think it's a good one because I don't think anyone who is a runner always loves to run. (laughs) I think it requires a significant amount of self-motivation and drive to do it. And afterwards you feel a reward, but always beforehand you might not. So I think it's a good example. Put whatever you want in place of running. But yeah, let's say you're trying to build a habit of being a runner and a morning person. Let's pick one of those to build at a time. Okay, I my shoes cause shin splints. Okay, what do I need to do in order to get the shoes that I need to run? In the meantime, what can I do to stay connected to the act of running while I wait to be able to afford the shoes that I need? All of these things, be curious, solve problems, don't create a system where you can pass or fail. So I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for sending your question in. If you have questions, listener, that you want answered, you can text or call them in to 828-338-9127. That is also always linked in the show notes. I answer a new one every single Wednesday. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.